Most retirees agree that running out of money is one of the biggest fears they face. On today's show, we'll highlight some key signs that you may run out of money and offer potential solutions to avoid the worst. It's all about your retirement. You're going to want to have an additional check to come in to maintain your lifestyle. For the retirement referees, Steve Caruso knows all the plays of the game. One thing we know for sure is that life isn't static. Retirement doesn't have to be complicated. Things are going to happen to you over the course of your retirement. Whatever the future, planning is key. The easiest way to make decisions from strength is to have money to fall back on. Welcome in to the Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. Welcome, everybody, to The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. It's the show where we blow the whistle on financial fouls. I'm your consumer advocate, Teresa Opeka. Steve is the best-selling author of Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. Welcome, Steve. How are you this weekend? I'm great, Teresa. How are you? I am good. I'm doing good. Doing good. Weather's changing, getting warmer. So it's it's all positive signs, something to look forward to. Spring has sprung. That's right. That's right. Steve also has a website, laurelwealthsolutions.com, and has over two decades of experience. You know, and that's so important. You want someone who has that experience behind them when you are choosing your financial advisor. Because, you know, Another thing we always want to be sure we have enough of is money, especially for retirement. And no one plans to run out of money in retirement, but sometimes despite the best laid plans, it does happen. And there are some signs to look out for and some suggestions to hopefully avoid them, right? The first one is you don't have a long-term care plan. That's big. That's a biggie. Yeah. Yes, Teresa. So it basically all comes down to that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Or in the words of Mary Poppins, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. The medicine go down. So yes, a spoonful of sugar does help the medicine go down. And what what is that spoonful of sugar? Well, that's that's creating a plan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So if you don't have a long-term care plan, and I've I've been doing this long enough that I've heard all sorts of answers as to why people don't have a long-term care plan. I one time was in a meeting and the person looked at me straight face when I said, you know, you should really consider doing something to address the risk of long-term care. He said, son, I've done that already. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, I have a Smith and Wesson. <laughs> and while we, <laughs> while, oh, while, wow. Yes. And it, he was dead serious. And so, um, you know, but that's the attitude that some people have. But at, at the end of the day, no one is actually going to do that as their as their plan. So it's better to create a plan and then not need it. And chances are one uh, one out of seven of us are actually going to need it, meaning they're going to need that kind of care for more than five years at the end of their life. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want to just completely discount it. It's It's an uncomfortable topic and no one wants to talk about, you know, having someone basically perform the 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 services that we would perform on a baby, right? Right, um, right. But they do add up. Those costs add up. I had a grandmother in a nursing home for a number of years, and it and it does add up. So what do you do then, Steve, to prepare for that? So there's a variety of ways that you can plan for long-term care. Um, for some, insurance is going to be the best bet. So with insurance, you're basically taking the risk and transferring it to the insurance company. Now, if you're young and healthy, if you're still in your 50s and you're in good health, it might, it might make the most sense to transfer that risk to the insurance company. 
if you're a little bit older or maybe you're not in the greatest health, you want to take advantage of some legal planning and you'd want to sit down with an elder care attorney and, and, and create trusts and things of that nature. Okay. Okay. That's all good advice. The other thing you could do is if you've saved enough assets, you could also, you could also self insure you. And what we mean by that is you put money aside and you say, I'm not spending this money. It's going to be there for my care down the road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Then you don't need one of the long-term care policies if you've got enough money to cover that. So that is good. Um, also too, you know, a lot of people have an age set where they think they're going to live to like, I hear 85 as a popular number, but you could definitely underestimate your life expectancy. You see in the news, so many people celebrate their hundredth birthdays. So yeah, no, it's, it's crazy how many people make it to a hundred, but I mean, that's the, the area I think of financial planning where people just don't think that they're going to live that long. And one out of four of us is going to make it to 90. And if you live in a, a population center where you have access to medicine and certainly um, some of the best medicine in the world down here in Florida, um, you're not going to ignore warning signs and you're going to get to a doctor when you have health issues and, and chances are you're going to live. It's not uncommon to make it to 90 and you should plan to live into your 90s. I think one of the reasons we we don't do that is we all kind of overestimate the damage we've done to our our body. And so I one of my oldest clients, um I met her about 22 years ago. She was she had just turned 79. And I said to her I said, "Well, we need to plan on you living to 90." And she said, "90? The way I feel, I don't even buy green bananas." And <laughs> And so I, over the years, she was my client for a long, long time. Um, mm-hmm. She lived to 97 years old. Wow. And so um, I, I, I consistently reminded her of that, <laughs> that, that initial meeting um, because she told me there's absolutely no way I'm going to live to 90. And so you never know how long you're going to live. Um, I did have one client make it to just shy of 107. He Whoa. spent over 50 years in retirement. Wow. So... Um, you know, so there's there's definitely there's definitely people who have who who don't live that deep into retirement, but the greater likelihood is that you're going to have probably 20 years in retirement. So I would use 85 as a baseline, mm-hmm. but you really want to plan for 90 or 95. Yeah, yeah, and you, like you said, you definitely need a plan. You definitely need to call a trusted advisor who's got you know over two decades of experience, and that be Steve. You can give him a call at 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. She just heard him say he's gotten many clients through, you know, you know, living longer, having the plan for a long retirement. And something else that ties into that is you didn't plan for high health care costs. That also ties in as well when we're getting older. Yeah. So that ties in also to kind of the silent killer of retirement plans, which is inflation, right? Mm-hmm. So right. as you get older, you're going to consume more medicine. I mean, I think intuitively we all understand this, but what we don't realize is that medicine is going to cost more or going to go up faster in cost than just general inflation. When you're younger and you're buying things like electronics, those don't go up in price. A lot of times those go down as technology improves. Mm-hmm. But Healthcare costs always go up and they inflate faster than general inflation. So, um, you know, a, two, a 2019 study done by Fidelity said that 
over the course of a retirement, the average person's going to spend about $285,000 on healthcare costs. And that can be, that can be scary. And so you want to be plan, you want to plan for that because you're, it's your biggest risk in retirement, right? Um, it's the one cost you really have no control over and you have no idea if you're going to need it or how much you're going to need. Yes. So you've got to take all that into consideration. And that is something that comes with having a plan. You mentioned about inflation. That, that's also. Also, another one, um, you loaned money to your kids. Uh, you like to do that, but that could be a problem as well. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely a problem. I mean, we think um, that we want to help our kids out, right? So when we retire, there's this misconception. Oh, well, I have this nest egg. I have this money. I guess I can peel it off and my kids are good for it and they'll pay me back. But what happens if your kids don't pay you back? And now, you know, yeah. and and people don't think of the the flip side of it. Right. It's great to want to help your kids or help your grandkids, but then are they going to be there to help you when you run out of money? And you have to be able to answer that affirmatively. And so uh, there's nothing wrong with lending money to your kids if the money is actually going to come back to you. Right. But most of the time when we lend money to our kids, it's money that we're never going to see again. It's We've buried it in the sand. Yeah. And so if you have the money to do it, great. Meaning you don't need that money to live on over the course of your life. It's money that they would have inherited anyway. Then I would say, go ahead, loan it to your kids. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the, in the program mm-hmm. about what happens when you give your kids money and you have multiple children and one is responsible and doesn't get any money from you and one does. So, uh, you know, it's important that you, you know, that is money that you're not going to live on. So how do you know that it's money that you're not going to live on? Well, the easiest way to do that, Teresa, is to get a plan, a plan that factors in, uh, risks that you're going to face like inflation, a comprehensive retirement distribution plan, which will address all of the foreseeable risks. So your, your children moving back into the house, that could be a foreseeable risk, inflation, healthcare costs. These are all things that we will consider in a retirement distribution plan. And right now, if you're one of the next 15 callers, we're going to put together a comprehensive retirement distribution plan. And normally we charge for that. But if you're one of the first 15 callers, we are going to give that absolutely free. And if Teresa, if you'd be so kind as to give them the number. Sure thing, Steve. The number to call is 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. Folks, this is for retirees and pre-retirees. That's common sense planning and straight talk instead of financial double talk and a sales pitch. And folks, you just need to sit down and get a financial roadmap put together. We're now we're using GPSs these days. And, you know, Steve's going to translate that complex financial world into something that just makes sense. It's an excellent chance for you to get a true practical financial review. So as Steve mentioned, for the next 15 callers, call right now. That number to call is 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. Take the stress out of planning for your retirement. And again, that uh, financial review is going to show you where you are now. But most importantly, it's going to get you a roadmap to get you where you need to be. In short, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Like as we've been mentioning, you know, you may not think about health care costs or long-term care costs. You just maybe don't want to talk about it because it's, 
yeah, it is a little scary. It's a little intimidating, but that is definitely something you need to take into account. We're all living longer these days. We're taking better care of ourselves. Medicine's improving. You know, look what's going on with the COVID vaccines. They came out in a short amount of time. Things are improving out there. So you've got to take all that in consideration and be prepared. And the best way to be prepared is to have a plan and give Steve a call right now. Again, that number to call is 800-705-9995. 800-705-9995. What's coming up in our next segment, Steve? When we come back, we've got four retirement questions to ask before the biggie. How much should I save? We are back to the Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm your consumer advocate, Teresa Opeka. And Steve has got over two decades of experience. He is a fiduciary and also a sought-after speaker and has been brought in to train advisors at some of the largest financial firms and insurance companies. We talked last week, too. He spoke in front of the United Nations. That was quite an honor. Uh, I just, you know, to, to have that going on. And your daughter, too. You were mentioning your daughter. She's quite the accomplished singer in the different choirs around. Yes, yeah. In the city. And yeah. Yeah, she does the Manhattan Girls Chorus, where she did. Right. I mean, she's going to, you know, now she's getting ready to go to college. But mm-hmm. sure. Um, when she was younger and she was in a couple of uh, musicals right. off Broadway, but um, yeah. big theaters in, in, in the uh, still professional theaters. Yeah. Yeah, not big accomplishments. Uh, also, too, we should mention that Steve is the president and founder of Laurel Wealth Solutions with offices throughout the eastern seaboard. Got a lot of experience there, and, and it's we talked about having plans and definitely want to give Steve a call in a little bit. We'll give you that number. So we're going to take a look at four questions to ask yourself before the obvious one. As you mentioned, how much should I save for retirement? And with these questions can help make the financial planning process less intimidating and more fun. And first one is, have you considered a second act career in retirement? And that could be a lot of fun. You could do something you really want to do. Yeah. And actually, when they've done surveys of people who are within the kind of five-year range of of retirement, 40% of them have said that they want to continue working. And so what I see a lot is the kind of home-based consultant role where you were doing something and now you're you're still kind of working for the company, but in a reduced capacity, and you're doing it more on a consulting basis, mm-hmm. or maybe you're working with certain clients that you had over the course of uh, of your career, and now you're 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 working for yourself, so to speak. And maybe you're not making the same level of income, but the hours are a heck of a lot better, and you have a lot more freedom. Yeah. And so, so that's definitely something that you know people people do. The other thing is is that sometimes people want a whole completely different career. So maybe that could be not just a, a an income-oriented career, but it could be working at a not-for-profit. So uh, I was meeting with a client last week, and their goal is actually to open up an animal rescue. Now, they're not doing that to make money. They're doing that because they have a passion towards uh, rescuing animals. Mm-hmm. And so everyone is going to have a different, a different kind of agenda. But it's important to have something that's going to fill your days in retirement because it makes for a more fruitful retirement. If you don't just plan for the financial aspect, if you plan for the hours in the day as well, and what you're actually going to be spending your time doing. Yeah. It makes it all worthwhile. Something to definitely look forward to. And if you can do that, or as you say, take on a consultant role and you have more flexibility. So it's a win-win. 
Definitely. Uh, the next one is, would you rather take mini retirements and postpone long-term retirement? I've heard that's becoming more popular. So we see this a lot in the education profession where people will take kind of a sabbatical. So say they were a professor or they were doing something where they're working on a project for multiple years uh, in a career like engineering. And now that project has come to an end and they want to take a break in between starting the next one. Obviously, actors and actresses have have done this throughout their life, right? So they, they a show ends and they they go on an unforced sabbatical until they book another job. But right. um, this mini retirement has, has become more popular. It also, you can kind of put it in the context of your overall life. So what I mean by that is with life events. So if you have a child that's born and maybe those first couple of years you want to stay at home, then you take a mini break from work, but then go back to work after. My wife did that with my own with my daughter. So uh, until she didn't work from the time my daughter was born until the time my daughter was six, and so she was very influential in making sure that you know my daughter learned everything that she needed to learn, and also basically was exposed to all the different activities. And so my daughter has a I would say a, a very diverse set of interests because she was exposed to a lot of things early in childhood because it was my wife that was home and not you know a nanny for for example that and my wife was researching and doing all that stuff yeah so that that definitely and had some benefits right there at this definitely something to take a look at um also too um how important is it to leave a financial legacy we talk about that leaving for your children your grandchildren you mentioned before about animals. Maybe there's an animal shelter you want to leave a, a legacy to or a church or some, you know, an organization that's out there. Leaving a financial legacy is a personal decision, right? So if you want to spend, some people want to spend all of their money that they've saved in their retirement. Other people realize, hey, look, I'm not going to spend, I'm not going to live an extra extravagant lifestyle just because I can. I enjoy the lifestyle that I have and and in, if that's the case, if you've saved up more than what you're actually going to spend, then the result of that is a legacy. And so how that money comes in, it, it can benefit you during your retirement, right? So if your goal, and going back to the, the story of my client that wants to open up an animal rescue, if your goal is to benefit some type of charitable uh, institution, then you could get benefits today and still get retirement income from your from your investments still control the income from your from your assets but now you get a tax deduction because when you pass away you've you've already made it clear that the money that is left over is going to the charity and so it's important to know the end use of the money and so that's why a retirement distribution plan naturally leads into an estate plan because the end of everyone's retirement, we're all going to do the same thing. We're all going to have the same end to our retirement. And so, you know, that being the case, knowing where you want your money to go at the end is important in the sense that we can use it to plan for today. Oh, yeah. And, and it, it all comes with a plan. It all comes sitting down with a financial planner, financial advisor who's got your best interest in mind, who's going to take the time to listen to you. 
Yeah. And, and that is the best way is just to sit down with a financial advisor. And we're going to give Steve's number right now. If you want to give him a call, I've got some questions about long-term care, long-term planning, leaving a legacy for your loved ones, or maybe some institution or organization you'd like to do. It's 800-705-9995. 800-705-9995 is the number. Our next question is, do you and your spouse or partner have the same lifestyle vision? And that could be an issue if you're not on the same page. It can be, yeah. So it's okay to have separate finances. So let's get that out there mm-hmm. to begin with. So lots of couples will do everything jointly, but there are a good number of couples that they have his and her money or uh, you know, they keep everything separated. And that's fine too. But when it comes to actually retiring, you're going to spend the remaining years of your life every day with that person. So it's kind of important that you at least have the discussion about what you want to do. So if one person's goal is to stay at home and play with the grandkids and the other person's is to to travel around the country to different ballparks and breweries, um, you know, that's that's probably something you want to talk about uh, beforehand. And I, I use that, in, I say it in jest, but that was an actual, an actual uh, conversation I had with clients where, uh, this person thought when they retired that they were going to get an RV and, and really travel the the country and go to, he was a passionate baseball fan and he was going to go to, and the wife was like, we're not doing that. <laughs> so, so it's important that um, you guys are on the same page about that. Cause then it can lead to a source of stress. And you know, that's, that's something that you definitely want to sit down. And I call it in my book, I call it crafting a well-defined goal. Mm-hmm. And so, what I mean by that is that it's asking the right questions. I think as if as financial planners, some of us ask kind of questions that don't really get to any meaning. And so, you know, they'll you'll, they'll ask you a question about like if the market dropped ten percent, you would do A, B, C. You know, that doesn't really tell you anything about your retirement. But you want to look at where do you want to live in retirement? Who do your social, who are your social interactions going to be with if you move there, right? So say you live in Florida now and you wanted to move to Nevada. Well, who do you know in Nevada? Who are you going to spend time with in Nevada? Uh, Correspondingly, if you lived in New York and you wanted to move down to Florida, but none of your friends were in Florida, are you comfortable going to a place where you know nobody and, and starting over? And so, you know, those are, those are real questions. And once you know what your lifestyle is going to look like, then you can actually craft a better plan for the financial side of it because you have an an idea. You won't know definitively, but you have an idea of what that lifestyle is going to cost. So someone who's planning to do a lot of babysitting for their grandkids and kind of staying home, cook, you know, Mm -hmm. having having the kids and grandkids over for Sunday dinner type of thing, that retirement's not as expensive as someone who wants to go on Mediterranean cruises three times a year. Right. right? So- You, you know, it's very important to craft the vision. And th- I call that, again, the well-defined goal. And so when you have that well-defined goal, it just makes it makes everything in the plan flow so much better because now you've actually taken the time to, to craft out and have a vision of what you want. And it's like anything in life. If you plan for it, it's much more attainable. Oh, sure, sure. As you mentioned, you know, everybody's different. You you have to tailor ma- tailor make that plan. It's, you can't one size does not fit all when it comes to retirement planning. No, absolutely. And so, 
when we do our plans, what we're doing, Teresa, is we're, we're sitting down with you and we're having that conversation. We're crafting your well-defined goal. And then we're going to put that into the plan and we're, we're going we're gonna to project a cost to it. And we're going to show you, okay, based on what you have, here's how close you are to that goal or here's, here's how much you're short or here's how much you're ahead of that goal. And if you're ahead of that goal, well, then that, need, that leads to the legacy conversation, right? So if, you, if you're going to have extra money left over, is there some place that that money is going to go? So all the things that we're talking about, we're putting together that in a, reti- a comprehensive retirement distribution plan. And so for the people who call in the next 10 callers, we're going to put that plan together for free. And it's going to be, it's going to show you your whole picture. It's going to show you, hey, look, based on what you have now, here's, the, here's what your lifestyle can support. And here's what you said you want your lifestyle to be. And here's the difference. And so having that understanding is, is great for peace of mind, for sleeping well at night. And we're going we're gonna to give that peace of mind to the next 10 callers, if you could give them the number. Sure. It's 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. Today is your opportunity to build the tomorrow that you want. You want to sit down and talk with Steve, get a customized plan put together. And remember, folks, there is no cost or obligation to get a better, better handle on your financial situation. To find out what your investments are really costing you because of the high fees or commissions you've got, what future tax implications will be, and how much income you can securely generate from that once you do move into retirement, pick up the phone right now and give Steve a call. That number is 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. Take the stress out of planning for your retirement future. What's coming up in the show? When we come back, some tough questions you may be hesitant to ask your advisor. We'll face them head on right after this. are tuned to the retirement referee with steve caruso i'm your consumer advocate Teresa opeka steve is president and founder of laurel wealth solutions and has experience over two decades of experience with estate planning financial planning health insurance retirement income and much much more and i definitely want to mention you are the best-selling author of cookie cut this retirement distribution strategies for the non-conformist As I mentioned before, I do like that title. It's a lot of fun. There's no cookie cutter plan. So that's that's perfect. That is perfect. So every week on the show, we do tackle a lot of information about getting to retirement and how much I should save, how much I need to withdraw every year, how much income am I going to really need? They're all great questions for sure. But what about the ones you might be hesitant to ask? First one can be touchy. It's what are the implications of divorce in retirement? We don't want to talk about it, but you kind of need to. No, absolutely. We need to do. And this does happen. Uh, so sometimes people will stay in a marriage and then at, once the kids are, have kind of left and they decide, you know what, uh, this is not really for, for me anymore or at this point in my life. And I've seen it several times and it's, you know, it's always, it's always, you know, financially draining, um, when it occurs. But the the first thing is that you should try to be civil and amiable to your soon to be former spouse. Why does that make sense? Because the big beneficiary of you guys fighting is that the lawyer is going to make more money on both sides, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so 
if you can decide how to divvy up your retirement savings, real estate, pensions, if you have a business, if you if you have a kind of a framework of, hey, look, here's what I really want of the assets. Here's what you really want of the assets. And you can try and find common ground uh, before you get into the the nitty gritty of the divorce. That's that's obviously better. So, you know, divorce does throw a curveball, especially if you were planning on living on you know, two sets of social security, or if one spouse has a pension and the other spouse doesn't, it can be, it can be devastating. So you definitely want to, you definitely want to do things as amiable as possible because you don't want to lose more money than you need to for lawyers fees and things of that nature. And what kind of questions would you ask, you know, your, your clients when they're, you know, what are the most important questions about this when they're going through this? So, I, I had a couple that got divorced recently, and so they owned four properties, Okay. and they had substantial retirement assets, but the properties were really, really valued by the, the husband. The wife could care less about the properties, mm-hmm. but she was asking for all of the properties just because she, she was angry, mm-hmm. right? right? And so... When I had a conversation with her, I said, look, your goal is this. And she had a goal of, she wanted to make sure she had enough money to live on. Here's the property that's generating the most rent, right? So therefore getting you the most income. Ask for the one property. Why ask for for all three? It's just, you can get the money somewhere else, either from retirement assets, which he didn't care about giving up his, he had a substantial Roth IRA, which all that money is tax free. Mm he didn't care about giving up the Roth IRA. So why not ask for more Roth IRA if the goal is to have more income to live on in retirement? And so it's about thinking and getting through the emotions and thinking about what the best solution is to meet your actual individual goals. And so sometimes, especially if it's a long marriage, like 30 years, 40 years, and people do get divorced after that. It's not common, but in this case, they had been married over 30 years. There's a, there can be a lot of bitterness and anger. And so you don't want that to cloud your judgment when you're trying to figure out what, what, what you're going to get in the divorce. Right. You've got to think strategically and figure out what is the best solution and, and put the motions on the side. Now, obviously they're there, but that's, that's a good thing that you take your clients through and help them with as well. Um, yeah, no, and it is very challenging to put the emotions on sure. the side. Oh, sure, sure. But you have to do it and remain level-headed because if you don't, then it, you, it can lead to making not just mistakes financially, but then you could, you know, you can make other mistakes as well. Yeah, and it, it doesn't solve anything either. So it's just, yeah, it's the best way to go about doing that. And another question too, and be another touchy subject is, can I leave more money to one child than the other? So last week we spoke about how I spoke on special needs planning mm-hmm. at the United Nations. Right. That would be a situation where you could leave an even amount, but you can't leave it in that child with special needs in their name directly. Because if they're getting government benefits, they would lose those government benefits. So mm-hmm. you'd want to establish a special needs trust and make the special needs trust the beneficiary. And so that would be a situation where you would, you might want to leave more to one child or sometimes what people will do if they don't have a special needs trust, say it's a son and a daughter and the son has special needs and the daughter is ultimately going to be taking care of the son. They might say, 
we're going to leave more to the daughter with the understanding that she's going to do it and they might they might have a level of trust there what doing the legal planning does is it formalizes that so it doesn't leave any kind of gray area right so right. that would that that would be one situation another situation we talked about just briefly before so what happens when you have kind of that kid that sits on the couch all day is constantly hitting you up for money and maybe you paid off you know car loans or you know got them out of a gambling debt uh, these things happen right and so maybe they've spent a lot of money and maybe you have another child that's super responsible that's never asked you for anything and so you may want to deduct what you've given that child already from their inheritance that's that's a a decision that only you can make and it's a it's a it's a tough decision but everyone feels differently about it but if if you do do that it's important that you communicate why you're doing it because what happens is when you pass away it can lead to animosity between your children if you haven't explained the rationale as to why you're leaving them uneven inheritances. Mm -hmm. So that's also something that you definitely want to consider, but you know, it, it's, it's one that's a little bit more touchy. The other thing you can do is legally, if you're, if you have a child that has a, a an addiction or a drinking problem or a gambling issue, you may want to put it into a trust and have someone be the trustee of those funds uh, just so that they can't go and spend the money on something that you don't want them to spend it on. And so if you have that situation, that's another area where you might, you might look and say, Hey, look, I, I, uh, I don't want to leave this person a big lump sum of cash all at once. Yeah. All good ideas. Good advice. And the number to call Steve, it's 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. This one kind of ties in. How do I say no to my adult ch children's request for money? Well, yeah, so you might have adult kids that ask for money or ask for other things. I mean, I'm thinking of the movie Wedding Crashers with uh, Will Ferrell when he's sitting on his mom's couch. Mm -hmm. I need to Hey, mom! The meatloaf! We want it now! And so if that's, <laughs> if that's your kids, if they're just sitting at home all day long, um, constantly draining your money, I mean, they're great. You love your kids, right? But... At some point, they have to be able to leave the nest. Right. And otherwise, they're going to end up frying your nest egg probably over easy. And so. <laughs> and there's um, another movie, too Failure to Launch, Matthew McConaughey. Right. That's same idea one. where they. Yep. Yeah, Failure failure to Launch, same idea. Yep. Right. Where, where he's. They, they're basically trying to get him out of the house. Right. And so we see this all the time with adult children. Um, it's, it happens a lot more than, than you think. And obviously, you love your kids. Um, and you want to see them succeed, but they can be a drain when you don't have income coming coming in. So it's important, just like with the loaning money question um, that we talked about a little bit earlier, it, anything involving your kids, it's nice to have a plan and know how much is kind of money that was going to go to them anyway when you pass away. So if you have more than enough to meet your goals, then absolutely. What you don't want to do is keep funding a a bad habit and enabling the bad habit. So, you know, if it's, you know, you have a, a, a child that lost their job, but is really out there looking for jobs and it's just, they've, they've come upon a little bit of a hard, a rough patch, but they're, they're normally very good. I would say I would be more inclined to accept that child's request than if you have someone who has a pattern of, again, some type of uh, addiction or things, things of that nature, you're actually, you're actually just enabling that, that bad behavior. So, you have to, you know, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to say no to, but 
sometimes it's in their best interest to say no. Right, right. And also, too, this seems a little like, hmm, do I need to save money in retirement? Well, no, I, I, I saved everything already. So now when I'm retired, I can go spend it all, right? Right, Steve? <laughs> well, you, you don't have to necessarily plop money into savings during right. retirement. Mm -hmm. But you do have to have a plan on how to distribute the money, meaning you can't go and spend all of your money initially right in the first five years of retirement and say, oh, well, I have this money. I'm going to go out and spend it because, again, for the same risks that we talked about earlier, right, you could potentially live to 95 years old. Your healthcare costs could potentially spiral. So you need to have some money set aside for the future, which is why it's important to have some money invested for growth even in retirement. So the old kind of rule of thumb and the kind of cookie cutter advice that a lot of places give you is that you should have your age in bonds. Mm -hmm. So if you were 70 years old, you should have 70% of your money in bonds. That advice is malarkey, for lack of a better term. <laughs> To quote President Biden on that one, but uh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so it 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 was created years ago when bonds were paying fifteen percent. They're paying one percent, and so you're going to have a thirty year retirement. You can't keep your money at one percent. You need to have something in there growing. Mm -hmm. And what a plan does is it tells you how much money you're going to need in the next three years, in the next five years, and so you know the money then correspondingly that you're not going to need in the next five years. And that's money that could be invested for growth. Oh, yes. And the first thing you do need to is, is sit down and get a plan put together. And that's Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And that's something you can offer the folks out there right now. Yeah, no. And so we're going to look at, in our plans, we look at not just uh, when you want to retire. We're, we're going to look at what you saved, how long that money's going to last. We're going to factor in your age, your health. Um, we're going to factor in things like inflation. And we're going to know with, within a reasonable level of, uh, of accuracy, not obviously we're never going to be 100% accurate, what your assets could support in the way of income or lifestyle. And so when you know that number, it gives you a lot more clarity. So if, you're, if you are living right now on $6,000 a month and your assets could support an $8,000 a month lifestyle, if your kid hits you up for a thousand dollars, you might be more inclined to say yes, and so that's that's what we're that's the kind of clarity we provide with our plans, and we're going to offer that plan for free for the next five callers, and so this is a plan that we normally charge quite a bit of money for. If you're one of the next five callers, we are going to give that plan absolutely for free. Yeah, that number to call Steve, it's 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. That first step is to sit down with a financial advisor. And something we're talking about today, folks, resonates with you, whether it's tax planning, Social Security, health care, just an overall big picture. You want to get a second opinion, give Steve a call. That number is 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. As you heard him mention, we've got five spots left. The phone's are ringing folks get in there right now again that number 800-705-9995 for stress-free planning and i can't believe it the show is going by so fast what is on the way next in honor of the late alex trebek and in the style of jeopardy the answer is what the radio listeners need to know remember to answer in the form of a question what are the radio listeners asking for this week that and more right after this short break
welcome back, everybody, to The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm your consumer advocate, Teresa Opeka. Steve is president and founder of Laurel Wealth Solutions with offices throughout the Eastern Seaboard. Time now for some listener questions. Have a little fun with this as we do every week. First one comes from George in Huntington. He said, I filed for my retirement benefits at 66 and they became effective in February 2020. I'm still working and exceeding the FICA limit. Since I am still working, will my benefits be recalculated, which could allow me to see an increase in my benefits beyond the yearly COLA, cost of living? Great question, George, and I'm sure it's one that many of the people out there have. So yes, Social Security will automatically increase your benefit rate to include your 2020 earnings, assuming that your earnings was one of your best 35 years. So what they do is they use something called the average indexed monthly earnings, and they take the 35 best numbers, which is on page three of your Social Security statement. So assuming that your 2020 earnings was better than one of those years, it knocks that number off of the, the the lower number off of your calculation and would thereby increase your benefits by uh, a little bit beyond what the COLA will do. Okay. All right. And our next question comes from Jane in Fellowship. I've heard you talk about annuities. I'm not sure I really understand what they are or why I should or shouldn't have one. Can you walk me through the basics of annuities? I hear mixed things about annuities. So this is a good good question. So there's the reason you hear mixed things about annuities is because there's so many different types of products out there. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, sometimes people get sold an annuity that's not a right fit for them. Okay. There's no such thing as a, a bad product. It's just a bad fit a lot of times. Okay. So what I mean by that is that people will buy a product that's not necessarily accomplishing the goal that they set out. So if your goal is to reproduce a paycheck, for example, you want to find the product that's going to produce you that that income that you need every month for the fewest amount of dollars. The kind of the easiest way to explain that is, do you remember the total cereal commercials from the 1980s where they would stack the bowls of cereal and they'd say for one bowl of total, you need to eat 16 bowls of cornflakes? Yeah, I do. I do. Yep. And so same idea. So if you need $2,000 a month of income, If you were to put that money in bonds, which is what a lot of financial advisors would tell you to do, well, bonds are yielding about 2% if you're lucky. So in order to produce $24,000 worth of income at 2%, you would need to have $1.2 million in bonds. You might be able to produce that same level of income with a fixed annuity for, say, $400,000. And so... I would rather tie up $400,000 than tie up $1.2 million. And so what studies have shown in academia is that when you pair a stock portfolio with a fixed annuity, it produces a more efficient and smoother return over the course of your retirement than pairing a stock portfolio with a bond portfolio. So then why do most most people have stock and bond portfolios and why are not why are more people not doing annuities? Well, that's because annuities get a very bad rap in the press. And the reason that is, is because the advisors who sell them, they'll sell them to someone who it's not the right fit for. So that'll be someone, for example, that is using the money to buy a house. An annuity is not designed for that. It's designed to provide an income for life. And so now you put the money into an annuity and there's all sorts of penalties if you want to take it out in a lump sum. 
So again, annuities are, des are designed to take out gradually in the form of an income over the course of your life. Okay. Okay. Good, good explanation. I was curious about that. Like I said, I heard mixed things about that. So good to know. We've got Craig in York now. I'm 60 and my wife is 59. One of the biggest disagreements we have about our pending retirement is how to estimate the future returns from our savings. These returns will dramatically affect our finances in retirement. And what approach should we use to get a reasonably conservative estimate of future returns? Great question, Craig. And this is one of the things that I talk about a lot with my clients. Most financial plans, they misestimate the future value or future returns of your retirement portfolio. Why? Because we use the past performance. And so when you buy an investment, it says in bold letters on, on the bottom of the, the sheet that the advisor is presenting you, past performance is not indicative of future results. Mm -hmm. And that's really true. So they've looked at 200 years of market data, and what they've determined is that your return in an asset class is based off of how far you are from the long-term average in that asset class. Let me give you an example to make it a little simpler to understand. Sure, sure. So if stocks historically over 200 years have averaged about 10% a year, but over the last 10 years, the stock market has averaged about 13.5% a year. So if you were sitting with an advisor who was using historical numbers, they're going to plug in your future results at 13.5%. That's extraordinarily inaccurate because what, what, it, what the studies have shown us is that there will be a period of reversion to the mean, meaning there'll be a period where it does worse than the long-term average to bring it back down to the long-term average. So you want to you want to work with a planner who's using forward projections. So what we're going to do is x-ray your asset allocation and we're going to find, all right, you have this much in large cap, this much in small cap. We're going to create your pie chart. And then we're going to assign a forward-looking return based on where that asset class is relative to its long-term average. And that's the right way to do planning. All right. And the number to call Steve, just going to throw that in there now early. It's 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. Next question comes from Bradley in Bellevue. My mother is 92 years old and we are planning on selling her apartment and want to know if there is a way to put the profits of that sale in a trust to pay for her future health care needs. And are there tax consequences? Good question, Bradley. There could be tax consequences, and so you should—you definitely would want to speak to your accountant on that. Uh, typically, there'd be capital gains tax on selling an apartment, but there there are sometimes ways around that capital gains tax as well. So again, you'd want to definitely speak to your accountant on that. In terms of using a trust to fund future healthcare needs, absolutely, you could do that, and that's something that you would want to really sit down with an elder care attorney and do do planning because you're going to want to have a trust that has uh, basically Medicaid language in it. And so what you're doing when you're, you're, you're sheltering money to pay for future health care is you're basically trying to get your mother to qualify for Medicaid. So you're basically moving the assets out of her name um, so that on paper she's poor. Now there's, there's lookbacks involved with that. And so again, you'd want to definitely meet with an attorney and an accountant on that. Okay, good advice. And our last question is from Kevin in Marion Oaks. A coworker referred me to a financial advisor that he's been working with, so I went for a visit. And as it turns out, the advisor recommended the exact same mutual fund to me that he recommended for my friend, even though our situations are vastly different. Is it normal for an advisor to have a signature strategy, or is it something I should be worried about? 
Kevin, that's a great question. And that's kind of the premise of my my book, Cookie Cut This, is that there is no cookie cutter solution. And unfortunately, the majority of financial firms will do some kind of cookie cutter allocation. And the reason they do that is not in your interest. They do it for themselves. Uh, it's easier for them if they have to follow one strategy or four different strategies as opposed to a thousand different strategies for each client. And so... Yes, I would be a little bit. I, I would that would put my guard up. I would I would kind of raise a red flag if if your situations are significantly different and you're getting the exact same advice. So you'd want to have an individualized an, an individualized plan with individualized advice, and your advisor should be able to explain why whatever they're recommending is in your interest and how it meets your needs. And so we still have three more spots. The phone lines are ringing, but. Three more spots if anyone wants to get in on having their own retirement distribution plan. We're going to look at all of the things that we talked about today. We're going to account for healthcare costs and inflation, and we're going to think about the eventual situations that could occur to you in retirement, whether it be a kid moving back home or uh, a child refusing to leave the couch. So, <laughs> you know, we're going to we're going to address all of that in your plan. And if you would, Teresa, just give them the number one more time. Sure. That number to call, it's 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. Here it's Steve. We've got a couple spots left. The phones are ringing. Get in right now before they fill up. And this is for retirees and pre-retirees. It's just common sense planning and the straight talk instead of that cookie cutter approach we've been talking about. Folks, the first thing you need to do is sit down and get that financial roadmap put together. Steve's going to translate that complex financial world into something that just makes sense, whether it's about annuities, as we mentioned before. I mean, there are so many to go through. You want to make sure you got the right one. That's the best thing to do is just to sit down and talk. And Steve's going to listen. And he wants to sit down and, and listen to your goals and what you've got and what your future plans are and get a plan custom made for you. It's an excellent chance for you to get a true practical financial review. Again, right now, three spots left. The number to call is 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. And you're going to get that comprehensive financial review. It's going to show you where you are now. But most importantly, the review is going to show you a roadmap to get you where you need to be. It's if things aren't just lining up just right, Steve's going to you know, take a look at everything, figure in everything, and uh, come up with that plan for you, strictly just for you. In short, you have nothing to lose, and it's taking the stress out of planning for your future. Call him right now. Again, that number, 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. Again, this show just flies by every week. And I learned so much, especially about annuities, because I was a little a little confused about that because you hear different things. So it was a great show, Steve, as always. Thank you, Teresa. As always, it was great working with you again this week. And that brings our show to an end. So go out there and enjoy your Sunday. All right. And we'll see you all back next week for another edition of The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. The 
information on this program is educational in nature and is not intended to be a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan, or other purposes. Information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of subjects discussed. Prior to making any investment or financial decisions, an investor should always seek advice from a financial, insurance, legal, or tax professional that takes into account all of the particular facts and circumstances of an investor's own situation. Laurel Wealth Solutions and or Stephen Caruso offer investment advisory and financial planning services through Bellpoint Asset Management, LLC, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Registration with SEC should not be construed to imply that the SEC has approved or endorsed qualifications or the services Bellpoint Asset Management offers or that its personnel possesses a particular level of skill, expertise, or training. 